invite you to take up your scripture and turn uh, with me to the Psalter, to Psalm, uh, Psalm 15. I'll read this uh, short psalm together to consider together this evening. Last uh, Lord's Day uh, evening, uh, we were considering Psalm uh, 14, uh, which is all about the heart, uh, the heart of the fool, uh, from which we uh, ended up realizing we need to cry to the Lord uh, to save us uh, from uh, such uh, from such a heart. Uh, this psalm uh, is quite different, and um, rather than speaking about the heart of a fool, this uh, psalm begins with a with a very good question. Uh, that we want to consider together tonight and consider its answer uh, in this psalm uh, as well. So we begin reading uh, at Psalm uh, 15. This is the ever-living, abiding, eternal word of the Lord. A psalm of David. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell On your holy hill. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor. Nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised. uh, But who honors those who fear the Lord. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again for his help. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that at the end of this Lord's Day we can come together again as your people. uh, And in dependence upon you, again, open the scripture together. And so, Lord, we pray that uh, you would uh, open our eyes to see the, the truth of this passage, that you would direct us to the Lord Jesus, uh, that we would find joy and hope and life uh, in him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want you to uh, imagine uh, the scene tonight. You are uh, late uh, for a flight out of the Philadelphia airport, and uh, you are on your way Uh, to a uh, holiday, a vacation in London, England. And you are going through the uh, security uh, checkpoint uh, through the TSA there, and you're taking off your shoes and your belt and your coat and your laptop comes out of the bag. Uh, Your pockets are empty. Uh, But the TSA officer uh, pulls you aside and says, "Um, actually, uh, we're not checking bags anymore. Um, Don't worry about taking any of that stuff off or putting that on the, on the bench. Um, uh, but we do want to have a little talk with you over here on this side. And so they pull you aside there, uh, Mr. TSA, and he says um, to you, uh, how are things going at home? How are things going at work? Have you ever, have you ever told a lie uh, or spoken evil of somebody else? says Mr. TSA man. Uh, How's your relationship with your friends? Uh, Are you a woman of your word? Um, How do you speak about Christians? 
How's your daily walk with God? Now, that would be really strange. Strange, you say. Unexpected. Uh, I just want to get on that plane. I'm not a terrorist threat. Why all these questions about my heart uh, and life? I just want to get on the plane. Just check my bag and away I go. Uh, While this psalm uh, has some uh, unexpected uh, questions uh, that are asked uh, of the person who is seeking access uh, to the Father's house. And this psalm is really about uh, who is welcome uh, and who is at home uh, in the presence of the Lord. Who may enter God's presence? That's a very important question. Uh, in our studies in Leviticus, we've seen that uh, there are many ceremonial laws meant to set the boundaries and parameters of uh, who may enter the presence of the Lord and the priests and so forth, what they are to wear, um, what they're to do physically before they enter God's presence. But here in this psalm, when the question is asked, um, who may uh, sojourn in your tent or who shall dwell on your holy hill, who can have access uh, to the presence of the holy God? The answer is not fulfill these ceremonial regulations, but the answer is examine your heart and and life. So we want to think together tonight about who has access to the holy presence of the Lord. And really, we start with simply the house of the Lord. We want to think about the host of this house. We find it in the first verse where the psalmist says this, ask this question, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? Now, this is a great question, of course. In fact, it's a completely uh, uh, question coming from a completely opposite attitude of the opening of Psalm 14. You remember Psalm 14, the last Psalm we read, began this way. The fool says in his heart, uh, there is no God. And so Psalm 14 starts with, there is no God that I, or at least I I say to myself, there is no God. So I'm not really concerned about God. But the next psalm uh, starts with, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? This psalm is all about, all about God and how anyone can possibly be in his holy presence. Now, you can perhaps see that there is a bit of a progression here between Psalm 14 and Psalm 15. So think about it this way. We went through Psalm 14, and uh, you might remember what Psalm 14, what the conclusion of Psalm 14 was about when the Lord looks down from heaven. So Psalm 14, two said this, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. And they've all turned aside together. They've become corrupt and there's none who does good, not even one. And so that was Psalm uh, 14. And so the natural question would be in the next Psalm, well, wait a minute. If uh, when God looks down on men, there's not even one who does good. Then the question, of course, becomes, who then shall dwell on your holy hill? This is, a, this, is a, this is an existential question, we could say. This is a very personal uh, question that the psalmist uh, is forced to cry out. Who then uh, can sojourn in your tent? Uh, who can dwell on your holy hill uh, if there is not even one who does good? Well, we know the negative answer to that question that already came to us in this psalm, in the Psalter earlier. Psalm 5, 4 says, for instance, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Uh, evil may not dwell uh, with you. 
So we already got the negative uh, earlier in the Psalter. So if evil may not dwell with the Lord, all men are corrupt and evil. Who shall dwell on your holy hill? The psalmist recognizes that there is such a thing as uh, your tent, O Lord, uh, your holy hill. That is, there is a, a dwelling place of God. And this is all about who may enter the Father's house. One commentator puts it this way. It's like asking, to whom will Yahweh, to whom will the Lord extend the hospitality uh, of his home? Who is allowed to enter in to the holy presence of God? Now, when we think of those words, when we think of the tent and the holy hill, of course, this brings to mind, first of all, brings to mind the place of worship. It's a place of worship. Who may come into this place of worship? Before there was a physical temple, you remember, the Lord met with his people in the wilderness at the tent of meeting, at the tabernacle of meeting. Uh, the holy hill was holy uh, because it was set apart for the worship of God, and that's where the, uh, the temple would be. That's where the people would gather to come meet with God, and the priests would mediate between the people and the Lord. Well, who has access to the presence of the Lord? Who has access to this, this host? Who has access to such a house? So that it brings to mind the place of worship. Who can come into the presence of this holy God to worship? But the other picture here, of course, that's brought before us is the, is the picture of hospitality, of guests entering, uh, sojourning. Who shall sojourn uh, in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? In other words, to whom does the host this holy host, open wide the doors of his house uh, that we might find hospitality there. Who finds a welcoming place to enter? Uh, who finds that open door to dwell in this home? Now, a sojourner, uh, of course, in the Bible is a stranger uh, who does not have inherent rights. So who shall sojourn in the tent? Uh, who shall dwell in the holy hill. A sojourner is someone who doesn't have inherent rights. You may be thinking about it this way. Let's say later this evening, Lisa and I say, uh, we'd love for you to come over tonight and share some food over at our house uh, after worship. So after worship, you know, we usually talk a little while. You, guys, you, you folks go on ahead to our home. It's uh, 202 Meadowview Court in Mullica Hill, and uh, we'll meet you there later. And so you go to our, our house, uh, we tell you how to get in, you know, you just go through the garage door and you come, come in and go on and sit in the living room, you know, put your feet up, uh, make yourself at home. And so you do that, but unfortunately, uh, I have accidentally and absentmindedly told you the wrong number. And uh, so when you end up in Mullica Hill in Meadowview Court, you go into 202, and lo and behold, you find out it's not the Mulker home at all. Uh, it's our, our neighbors across the street. Um, and so you go in, as we told you to do, and you put your feet up on the, uh, on the uh, coffee table, maybe. You're lounging around waiting for us to come. Uh, and the owner comes home and sees you uh, in their house. And they say, what are you doing here? Uh, at that point, uh, you would not feel welcome. You would not feel at home because you were not, you were not invited in. You are not a welcome guest in the home of our neighbors. Um, that would not be good. It's 205, uh, by the way, if you ever go. But this idea of being at home in the Lord's house, 
is a beautiful theme found throughout the Psalter, coming home uh, to the Father's house. So you'll find it when you go to Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell uh, in the house uh, of the Lord forever. Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire uh, in his temple. This was the great desire of the psalmist to be at home in the Father's house. Psalm 84.4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. So at home in the Father's house, his holy hill, sojourning in his tent in the scripture is the perch. The beautiful picture of eternal rest, surrounded by goodness and mercy, seeking eagerly that blessing of beholding the Lord, and an eternal hymn sing as the guest sings the praises of the host. This is the house of the Lord, the host of the house. Um, But the question is, of course, who? Who shall be uh, such a guest? So let's think about the guests who are welcome then in the house of the Lord on the holy hill. And to sojourn uh, in his tent. Well, it's described for us in verses 2 through 5a. He who walks, this is who's welcome in the house. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor. Nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Who swears to his own hurt, does not change. Who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe uh, against the innocent. Now, the scene here in Psalm 15 is really in marked contrast, maybe, to what you may have expected uh, from an Old Testament saint. Someone who would ask, for instance, who shall sojourn in your tent? Uh, Who shall dwell uh, on your holy hill? You might remember the scene of the holy hill uh, in Exodus 19. Uh, when God's people come to Mount Sinai and uh, the Lord uh, gives instructions to Moses in Exodus 19.10, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments, be ready for the third day. From the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people and you shall set limits for the people all around saying, take care not to go up into the mountains or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people. And they washed their garments. And so there at Mount Sinai, there is a, uh, in that sense, a physical uh, barrier preventing access uh, to the holy hill of God. But here, uh, here the psalmist, when he asks asks this question, is really uh, the the answer for the inquirer is, who shall shall dwell on the Lord's holy hill? Well, you need to search your own heart and life. You need to search your own own conscience. This happens later in the Psalms. Psalm 24 goes like this. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Uh, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false, does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing uh, from the Lord. Examine your heart uh, and life. 
in Isaiah, uh, we find the same uh, heart-searching uh, answer to the question, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, goes this way, Isaiah 33, verse 14. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among, here's the same question, who among us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? Here's the answer. Uh, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises, very similar to Psalm 15, who despises the gain of oppressions, uh, who shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe, not going to take a bribe, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, shuts his eyes from looking on evil, he will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortresses of rocks. And so who can dwell on the holy hill? Well, you've got to search your own heart and life here in Psalm 15. These verses in many ways are similar to, uh, think about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, blessed who? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are uh, pure in heart. Blessed are the merciful. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted uh, for righteousness' sake. Psalm 15 is uh, similar to, uh, in some ways, to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, love does not rejoice uh, with the wrong, uh, but rejoices in the truth. Right? Uh, who desires purity uh, of of heart. Who may dwell on the holy hill? Well, of the man of Psalm 15, writes Derek Kidner, this man who's described in Psalm 2, who can sojourn in the tent, who can dwell on the holy hill, this man, he says, is above all, this is a man of integrity. This is a woman of integrity. This, in other words, is someone of true, uh, true, godly uh, character. How do we know that? Well, let's look at some of these things briefly. He who walks blamelessly uh, and does uh, what is right. The word blamelessly there means not perfectly, not without sin, but it does mean wholeheartedly uh, or soundly. That is someone who walks with a, a single-hearted uh, integrity doing what is right. That is uh, doing what is right according to God's standard of, of truth. Someone who is single-heartedly uh, following the Lord, and we could talk about this as uh, perhaps one who is, who is loyal to his covenant obligations. This is someone who is covenantally faithful, uh, walking faithfully with the Lord according to his word. He speaks, uh, we find out, truth in his heart. This person who sojourns in the tents. And dwells on the holy hill. Unlike the, um, remember, unlike the fool of Psalm 14, who speaks lies, right? The fool says in his heart, there's no God. Lie. Uh, this man who is able to enter the house of the Lord in Psalm 15 speaks uh, truth uh, in his heart. Uh, and he's walking, again, single-heartedly before the Lord. I remember the, uh, remember the story a couple of years ago I came across of a a successful uh, businessman who uh, lived on the uh, lived on the west coast he was married uh, had several children his uh, work took him on business trips across the country so he would often be away uh, flying from the west coast to the uh, the east coast but his uh, publicly was the picture of a perfect family life and uh, the only problem was uh, when his wife and children on the West Coast thought he was doing business on the East Coast, he was actually with his other wife and children uh, who thought he was 
often gone doing business uh, on the West Coast. That's a man of a double heart. Oh, it's a terrible story when that came out. You say, well, how can that be? Well, it's a double-hearted man. It's uh, not a whole-hearted man. Not whole-hearted with this family. He had two families at the same time. Giving them love, caring for them, providing for them. A heart divided. That's the opposite of the man of integrity. Uh, Single-heartedly. Uh, following the Lord, doing what is right according to the Lord's word. Uh, the guest in God's house, also we find out in verse 3, has a pure tongue who does not slander with his tongue, uh, does no evil to his neighbor, uh, nor takes up reproach uh, against his friend. To take up a reproach there means to literally kind of pick up something discreditable. It means to pick up gossip. It means to uh, rake something up unnecessarily about someone's life. It's kind of like uh, digging around in someone's uh, personal Garbage bin, you know, hoping to find something incriminating. You know, this is a, this is a, to take up a reproach against somebody uh, is to be a fault finder. Uh, the same word is used of Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 uh, when he is continually mocking Israel. The man of integrity doesn't dig up dirt to hold against other people. He's a man of integrity. He walks according to the ways of the Lord. The guest in the Lord's house has clear allegiances. Look at verse 4. In whose eyes a vile person is despised. That is, someone who does wicked, someone who does evil, uh, is, is, is condemned in his eyes as doing evil, but who honors those who fear the Lord. In other words, this man of integrity also has his affections uh, in order. That is, he hates what God hates uh, and he loves. Uh, what God loves. He doesn't celebrate evil. He looks down upon evil. Uh, he doesn't persecute the Lord's people. He honors the Lord's people. His affections are in the right place. And lastly, this man is honorable, verse 5 says, who does not put his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. That is, he does not take advantage of the weak and needy. He's not a loan shark in it for the money no matter who gets hurt. It's not all about the economy for this man and about trampling down other people in his path. And so, here is the Bible's description. This is the one who shall sojourn in the tent of the Lord. This is the one who shall dwell on the Lord's holy hill. This is the one whom the host uh, will welcome in. Single-heartedly for the Lord. Walking according to his ways, no evil out of his mouth, honoring the Lord's people, uh, swears to his own hurt. That means he makes promises, but he fulfills them, even if he personally suffers for it uh, and he doesn't oppress the needy and the poor. He actually cares for them. This is the one who shall dwell on the Lord's holy hill. Not the rich, famous or influential, but the man or woman of integrity. Uh, one of my, uh, I think I watched it in reruns, I can't remember, but one of the, the shows that I initially thought, boy, this is a wonderful television show, was called um, uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Uh, and that dates me again, of course, because it ran in the 80s and 90s with uh, Robin Leach, that was the host of this show. And, uh, and he would go to you know, Hollywood mansions and palaces you know, around the world, showing how rich people 
uh, lived and all the things they could do and all the things they could buy. But he was asked once, uh, why is this show so popular? And, uh, and Robin Leach said this, well, nobody would watch Lifestyles of the Poor and Unknown. Nobody's, you know, that's why our show is so popular. Nobody's going to watch a show called Lifestyles of the Poor and Unknown. And so it is in our world. That's what folks are looking for. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. But here in Psalm 15, as elsewhere, the values and priorities and standards of men are not the standards of God. Okay? To enter this house, the holy house of God, a blameless walk, a truthful heart, a pure tongue, honoring those who fear the Lord and grace and mercy for the needy. Which leaves us, of course, uh, with, uh, with two other questions. And that are those. Where shall such a man or woman be found? And uh, what is promised to such a man or woman? Let's start with the promise. When such a person is found. Well, the promise is the very last uh, phrase of this uh, psalm. Verse 5 at the end. He who does these things... In Psalm 15, so if you've got all these all covered, he who does these things shall never be moved. Could be translated this way with the emphasis on the last Hebrew word in the psalm. He shall not be moved ever. Hmm? So you, you find this kind of man or woman. He shall not be moved, that is, shall not be moved from the presence of the Lord uh, dwelling in his on his holy hill. He shall not be moved from there ever. No, no. He will always dwell there. In other words, his place, you find such a person, his place is in the Father's house, in the house of the Lord, and that place is absolutely assured, certain, not moved out ever. And so you think of something like Mount Rushmore. You know, how would Mount Rushmore ever be moved? No. Uh, the wicked, of course, boast of such assurance in the Psalms occasionally that they will never be moved, but that's a false assurance. Never be moved from their sin or their wicked ways. Uh, the enemies of the Lord in the Psalms, sometimes uh, the enemies of the Lord's people want to deny them such assurance. Uh, Psalm 13, for instance, uh, said this, verse 3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him. Lest my, en- lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. That is all, all in a mess. And so the Lord's enemies want God's people to be shaken. But here the Bible says, if you find such a man, you find such a woman, uh, this is what is promised to them. They shall not be uh, moved from the presence of the Holy Lord um, ever. Which leads, of course, to the obvious question, where is such a man? Where is such a woman? Psalm 14 said this, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They've all turned aside. Together they've become corrupt. There is none who does good. There's not even One. 
And maybe as we read this psalm, and maybe as I went through that second point of saying, okay, well, this is the man, this is the woman, this person of integrity, maybe as I read each phrase, uh, you may have felt a growing weight of uh, burden and pressure coming down on your heart. (laughs) No evil out of my tongues, Um, walking blamelessly, doing what is right. This is a problem. It's, it's huge. It's a problem for all. It's the problem which, of course, the Apostle Paul would draw out uh, in the New Testament. If this is the one who can ascend, uh, this is the one who can dwell on the holy hill, and yet uh, there's not even one that seeks after God. This is a major problem. And so this is why the Apostle Paul said in Romans 3, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable uh, to God, did you, did, you, did, you, did you catch that? That part of, the, part of the gospel, part of the bringing of the law of God is so that everybody who lives on this planet would recognize that they are, that they are accountable to God and that there is not a one, whether it's Uganda or uh, Pole Tavern uh, or uh, uh, you know, Canada, um, Iran, doesn't matter where you are, there's not a one Uh, who can be made right or justified in the sight of God through keeping His law. Not a one. And that's good news. It's good news that we're told that. So that we stop trying to earn God's favor. favor, To face up to God's law, have it serve as a mirror to show us our own sin. The qualifications, friends, of entrance to the house of the Lord are posted at the door... Uh, But we fail to qualify, and that, of course, is the bad news of the gospel, which make the good news of the gospel so good, because right after the Bible says, so that the whole world would be held accountable to sin, or accountable to God because of our sin, Romans 3.21 says this, "But But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God, through faith, In Jesus Christ, for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified, made right with God, by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. So that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. By faith in Jesus, the Bible says, we may dwell on his holy hill. Why? Because in ourselves, there is none of us righteous. But God's given us a gift, and it's his son, the Lord Jesus, who's a propitiation for for our sins, an atonement for all our sins, who turns away God's wrath against all our sins, where all the ways we fail, in all that Psalm 15 describes, uh, God's given us the gift of Jesus, who turns the wrath of God against our sin and failings away. And instead uh, uh, instead of being excluded from his house, we are welcomed in his house. How? Through faith. In Jesus, who takes all our sin and gives us all his righteousness. You see, friends, there is one man who fulfills all the demands of Psalm uh, 15. 
in such a glorious way. Uh, But there's only one who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. There's only one who has never slandered with his tongue, done no evil to his neighbor, never takes up a reproach against a friend. There's only one in whose eyes a vile person is despised, wickedness is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord and who swears or promises to his own hurt. That is, keeps his promises even uh, when he himself will pay dearly for it at the cross and does not change. He who does these things shall never be moved. And when we put our faith and trust in him, when we're united to him, that's, friends, how we are able to sojourn in his tent or to dwell on his holy hill. Only when we ourselves are united by faith to this Jesus. The qualities this psalm describes as being the prerequisites for sojourning in the Lord's tent, dwelling on the Lord's holy hill, are not to be found in any of us by the Lord, but are in fact given to us by the Lord through faith in Jesus. This is wonderfully summed up by the Apostle Paul. I'll just read you a few words from his letter to the Colossians where he writes this, and you, that's you and I, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Think of Psalm 14. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Why? In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And so, united to Jesus, we are at home in the Father's house. You see, never to be moved, ever. Well, let me just close with this. Uh, I like history and uh, American history. And uh, did you know that it used to be very easy to uh, visit the White House. There used to be no, no fences, uh, <laughs> things like that during the time of uh, Jefferson and Jackson and even, even Lincoln. Uh, you could stroll the grounds and you could enter the mansion when there was an open house. You just go on right in there and, uh, and, and visit. But if you were to want to visit the White House today, uh, you would go to the, uh, the White House Internet page. And when you go there, uh, down below, you're going to find a very long list of requirements. Um, And right at the top, the first thing you need to do, right there at the very top, you need to click this button. And um, and this button says, if you want to, you know, go to the White House, it says, do you know? It says, contact your representative. And so it is. If you want to enter the White House, you contact your representative. And so it is with the house of the Lord. No one enters the Father's house without contacting their representative. Now you've got two choices. You can contact Adam. He's our representative at birth. He won't get you in. Because he's a sinner. And he fell. 
And in him we all fell as well. Or you can contact the Bible's other grand representative, who is Jesus. And through faith in him, who was the perfect, sinless Lamb of God, you see, he, he uh, takes us into the presence of the Father. And we will dwell in the Father's house forever, never to be moved. Praise the Lord. Let's pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we have access to the Father's house. We can be at home in the Father's house only because all our sin has been washed away and we have been cleansed and made new. Lord, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ has, has come as the sinless one, the blameless one. He is the one of whom the psalmist speaks. And it is only through our faith in him, being united to him, trusting in him, that we too might enter into the Father's house, knowing your blessing upon us only through faith in Jesus, who is the one who has died for us in our place, given us his righteousness, that we might indeed be made holy and blameless in him, and that we might live in your presence forever, never to be moved. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in that truth as we put our faith in Jesus, even this week. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.